think our idea of, of music has been, uh, you know, whatever is contemporaneous, we think is reality, or it's not, you live long, otherwise it's just right now. And, you know, a perfect show wasn't what the Grateful Dead were aspiring to. They were aspiring to is getting off, you know, transcendence, which means sometimes, you know, when, you, when you're doing that, you're traveling without a roadmap, you know, there's no, there's no GPS, which means you're going to get lost once in a while. That's <laughs> what so they do. And I find it just wonderfully endearing, you know, like I like, like, you know, if a song doesn't go well, like at the Wall of Sound, the Wall of Sound show, which is the book, the one where they injured, they test the Wall of Sound test. And they're doing playing in the band, it's not working. And, and you know, any anybody who's been to a band knows when something goes wrong, you, know, you just keep playing. And they're like, hold on, hold on, hold on, let's start again. <laughs> which I just find that enormously good, because their audience were okay with that. They were okay with, we were learning how to play slag guitar on stage. They were learning them trying out songs on stage. They were okay with, no, no, it sounds not working, go back. And again, that's one of the things that I, when I wrote the book, that I kind of, um, I guess I knew it intellectually, but I really felt it when I wrote it and put it together, was that there was a certain loss of that. I mean, people still came to shows and had a great time, and, and that's wonderful. But in terms of that intimacy with the audience, that symbiosis, I mean, the epigraph for the shows is from Weir, from that famous uh, 2.13.70 show where he says famously before the show, this ain't a show, it's a party. And I think that's really when the stuff is really, when it's more than, when it kind of transcends music even, it's more like an attitude toward life. And uh, I find that incredibly enriching and, um, you know, it, again, it transcends music. It, it, it's, it's about how to, it, it's an attitude toward life, you know, it, it, and, I, and I, I think it's legitimate, even more so now where going, going back to, well, what are these shows, you know, they're, they're not, an attempt to rec replicate exactly what's on a record or what people want to hear. What, what the dead were hoping for was that the people out there would, would enjoy what they're doing, hopefully together they could get off. But it really wasn't this, you know, I say somewhere, they, they were entertaining, but they weren't entertainers. And there's a big difference, you know, um, especially in the world we live in where it is very much a show, you know, like come to the show, you know, as opposed to come on down and see what happens tonight. <laughs> you know, I find a lot more exciting in any kind of art, you know. There's got to be an element of danger. There's got to be an element of failure um, for it to have that kind of liveliness that I that I want, whether it be books or, or music. And I think that the dead at their peak, like no one else probably, at least in popular music, certainly jazz, but but in popular music, there's, there's really nothing else like it. Hey, it's the official tapes. It's a Grateful Dead radio program that explores the official releases from the Grateful Dead's vault. It airs on about 80 radio stations around the globe. And there was a familiar voice. I mean, I had a pretty good year with the Dead in 2023 because I did the the days, which was two shows, and then the box set. Talking about the Here Comes Sunshine 1973, a 17-CD box set containing five complete concerts that were recorded in May and June of 1973. And then Dave's Picks Volume 45. That includes uh, two complete concerts recorded October 1st and 2nd, 1977, at Paramount Theater in Portland, Oregon. And now we have more writing from the author. Hi, I'm Ray Robertson, the author of All the Years Combined, The Grateful Dead in 50 Shows. Let's get into it. Well, it's the story of the Grateful Dead as told through their music. I love Garcia and I love Garcia's guitar. And I just kind of wanted to better understand for myself who the Grateful Dead were musically and, and, and why they're so enduring and why someone like me would write about all these shows like what well, what is it that makes this band so endearing and 
and create this almost obsessive interest. And that's kind of why I write to figure things out. For me, I kind of wanted to understand what happened to the Dead's music over the course of 30 years. been some reviews or some podcasts and they said the greatest show is the grateful dead or and that's just a it's just bait click it's really what, what i wanted to do was something different i wanted to tell the story as i see it the story of the dead but instead of saying you know using the biographical as it affects the music but really it's about the music so starting with a show in 1966 about seven months before their first album was even released then going all the way to their last show in Chicago in July of 1995. It's not just one thing, The Grateful Dead was more than that. They were an R&B-based cover band to start with, and they become a psychedelic band, they become a jazz band, they become an arena rock band. Someone asked me, you know, how did you, I mean, The Dead had 2,500 shows, how did you get down to 50, you know? But I think it's kind of like a storyteller's ideal. I could have written 100 shows about 73 or 74, not 100, but I could do 100 great and just go, oh, the show is amazing, the show is amazing. Which is kind of what it's like from 71 to 74, you know, it's really hard to find a down moment. But what I wanted to do was kind of like a novelist was sort of say, well, in 78, this show kind of represents what's going on with their relation to the audience or the technology or the drugs. And so it was kind of like, like putting a puzzle together. You know, the, show, the pieces are the shows. And sort of saying, what will best illustrate? And when you write novels, you talk about the part standing for the whole, or poetry. And so it's kind of like, would this show sort of capture this element of it? So that was kind of the decision. It wasn't, you know, like, you know, my favorite, like some of my favorite shows are in here, but a couple of them aren't um, because it just didn't, they wouldn't have served the purpose of telling the Grateful Dead story as through their music. pieces and then hearing the show and go, oh yeah that show really captures like in 78 there's some rough spots but then there'll be this monster 40 or 50 minute section much like life itself you know it's kind of like nothing's working and whoa this thing comes out of it like i'm thinking the iowa show from 78 first sets a lot of rush tempos and some and then there's this big monster 50 minute thing that comes out of it so that's interesting you know um so it was just and, and shows got dropped in and dropped out the first show that I wrote was probably was a show from 71, the fall of 71, the Austin, Texas show, uh, one of Keith's first show as a pianist. I, I wrote that show first just to sort of see what this would look like. Like, what would it look like for me to write a thousand words in a show? Would it look too short? Would it be too long? Would it be too boring? That was Keith's first time on the road. He'd never been a touring musician. So I just thought, you know, it's, it's one thing to flip through a book and say this, you know, people have to get on a bus and travel and. And, and, you know, but also how, how young they were and how, how every show just seemed to somewhere or another get that energy. It always, it really is hard to find a show from 71 to 74 that isn't just, you know, as a keeper, you know. And my editor made a really good point. You know, he read my, I think the essay from 90, which is the, the Marcellus show, the Marcellus show. 
And he said, yeah, again, musically, I have no problem. But what about all these people you tell me about who went to these shows and had a great time and had their lives changed and everything? You can't forget them. So I had to sort of, you know, okay, we, we need some of that. So I finished the book. And the book's done. Great. But the last show, last of the 50, is uh, is the, the, the guy's last show in Chicago of July of... Uh, 95 and you know let's sit for a few days and I just kind of felt like the book's done but why do I feel a little like something's not right and it was because I didn't want to leave the reader with this really sad show you know it does wrap the book up I mean the last paragraph I think is a nice paragraph it does kind of talk back to the first essay in the whole book but then I thought oh you know what I'd like to end the book because the book's called all the years combined it really is sort of like a you know, there's a Zen take on this book in the sense that it really is 30 years, but they're all kind of mixed up together. Well, why not end with a show when they're at their, not at their peak, but things are really well. So May 14th, 1974 is, they've just, the, the wall of sound is being built. They've decided to start their own record label. They're going to do all these things. They're young. The shows are great. So why not end the book with them at their plateau of ambition, you know? Um, and that was the, the bonus track. Something interesting happened. I wish this had happened before I published the book. In 30 years, no one will be alive who ever saw The Grateful Dead. No one. It'll be like Billy Holiday, Jimmy Rogers, Cannonball Adder. No one will be alive. So all we'll have is the music. So this... I'm not saying I'm on the cutting edge of what will be the future, but one day all you'll be able to do is, is put on the headphones and say, you know, I know I didn't see Mozart, but I heard his music. Well, this is exactly what it is. So for me, this is how I hear the music. I find the music more appealing during certain periods, and I'll try to explain why, which is what critical criticism does. It sort of says, here's, here's what I hear. If you don't hear it that way, that's fine, but let me tell you how I hear it. And so, for example, when they made Keith change from acoustic piano and Fender Rhodes to electric piano, it kind of hurts my ears. It really does. That cold, clanky, clank, clank, clank thing. Um, he didn't want to play it. Garcia and Weir, I, I guess, were the ones who said we should sound more contemporary, which is always a bad sign. You know, nothing ages like trying to sound contemporary. Um, and it affects the music. And, of course, then when Keith, Keith is kind of uh, apparently biographically, we know that he was messing around with some things he shouldn't, and he was depressed, and he had some relationships. And he doesn't play as much. And it, it changes the sound. He plays more monochromatically. Clunk, clunk, clunk. And when you listen to some like 73, 74, the first half of 77, those just that, those filigrees and that, all that, all that stuff he does in the acoustic piano, it, it, it's such a nice compliment to all the electricity. It just works so well. I'm not opposed to change, but I just find it's not as good to listen to. So I just say it. And that's okay, you know, it's okay to get a, Somebody sent me an email to my website who read the book and said, hey, I, I bought a copy of the book I liked, and I bought a copy of my brother. And so the other night, we spent an hour and a half arguing about things in the book and going back and forth. I thought, that's really good. You know, you're talking about the inner into as opposed to, oh, this guy's a hater. You know, he hates the night. I hate. I just would rather listen to Alice Coltrane than listen to Jerry in 93 staring at his feet wearing a pair of track pants wishing he was somewhere else, you know. Some deadheads don't like that. You know, you don't, don't be a hater. Don't be an eraist. I've been called an eraist, er, <laughs> but you know, I've been called worse by better people. So, um, I've gotten some outright dismissals. You know, like the best I like is, oh, his book is a very subjective list. I feel like saying, what would an objective list of the dead show be? 
But I, I really feel like the sentences should pop. You know, they should have an energy to, which means you're going to lose a lot of people because some people are going to say, well, I don't like your popping sentences. I don't like your energy. I don't like your sardonic sense of humor. I don't like the the energy. It's tiring or whatever, you know. So that's okay. You'll lose people. But I, like, this is my 15th book. And, and at this point, there are some people who are saying, you know, I like your books because they don't sound like, like with this book especially, I've gotten emails, people saying, I read a lot of music stuff. I haven't read your novels, who, who reads novels? Um, but I, have, I read a lot of music stuff, and, and it's got a real energy and a lot of, and, 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 to, and I don't agree with everything you say, but I like the fact that you do it. There's a lot of, in the dead world, you don't want to upset the dead industry, you know, like the grateful. We've all got an interest in pretending everything is wonderful and let's sell everything, you know. Um, and that's that's not my job, and that's that's why it's nice not to be officially associated with them. You can kind of be a free agent, so to say. And I'm not speaking for everyone, but I have heard some people say, "Hey, I appreciate." It. And I love the fact people say, "I don't agree with everything," but um, there's a conversation going on, which I think brings you back to, which I want to brings you back to the music. So if that means tonight, you know, you're going to listen to you know half of a show tonight or something, um, that's great. That's wonderful, you know, because that's what you want. That's what any critic wants to do. They want to send the person back to the book or the music, right? And and go into it deeper, and and you know, because that's really what we're doing. I didn't study literature at university, I studied philosophy, and so reading was always to me something that you did in your spare time that you had, you know, that you, it had to be really alive, it had to have a real voice, it had to really sing, it had to have a real energy to it, otherwise, you know, it wasn't on a course list, I didn't have to read, I did it for pleasure. So, you know, I didn't learn that thing that people, a lot of writers learn, that you're supposed to really respect boring books, you know, <laughs> so I had to have, I had to have enjoyment, so when I did start writing, I felt that in the writers that I that I discovered, a lot of American writers, Thomas McGuane, Barry Hanna, Carson McCullers, there was a real vibrancy of their prose. And so for me, of course, I want to tell a story and I want it to be funny and I want it to be smart and I want it to, you know, I like books that, that have humor in them because I think life is full of a lot of tragedy unless you have humor to offset it. So I think a lot of books are, are uh, that seem to be serious books are just kind of solemn books. And I just feel that, you know, like there's a lot of humor in the dead's music, you know, I mean, how else that, that show that I was talking about, that first set in Austin, 71, that's in the book, you know, so you're listening to shows that all those great short songs, a lot of them haven't been on record yet, and they're with Keith, and it's great, and they go into Darkstar, and then in the middle of Darkstar, they play El Paso. I mean, that's a joke, right? <laughs> Isn't it? Yes. And then they go back into Darkstar, and then they're in Texas. And I lived in Texas for three years, and people in Texas, you know, those those hippies who were there that night, they know who they know who Marty Robbins is. They're sort of like, I'm listening to Dark Star. It's like, the West is the town of El Paso, you know? I love that. And I think that should be in, in, in any work of art, you know? Not like a ha-ha sense of humor, but, a, you know, a sense of, um, you know, they, they, they undercut their, their seriousness. You know, this is not Emerson, Lake and Palmer or Pink Floyd, Uma Guma, Pink Floyd. This is like people who were like, I love going to that spacey place, but we're just a bunch of goofs on stage who occasionally tune in to this cosmic thing. You know, that's great, but, you know, let's not take ourselves too seriously, because we're not. We're not that. So we're just flesh and bone junk that'll be gone in 50 years, you know? And I love that about them. I, again, going back to, I think, listen to Grateful Dead make you a better person, I think that's fun of it, too, about that kind of humility they have. But for me, listening to the dead, and that's why I use that quote at the end of the introduction, where you quote from there, where, 
you know, the Zen quote, the idea, you know, look at the object, do not look at another object, enter into the object, that is the blessing. And I find that, um, and that's kind of what helped me understand jazz better and become, listen to more jazz. It's like, you don't get that immediately, oh, is that hook right there, or is that, no, this is about, this thing may take 20 minutes to resolve itself or something. And I just find that that attitude that I take toward the music, let's say, the dad or jazz, corresponds to life. hear my dog drink from here, sorry, she's drinking drink a purple, he can't hear it, okay, good, she just, she decided to have a big drink while we were doing, um, I, I, what, what were we talking about, sorry, my dog distracted me, bad girl, <laughs> what were we talking about, uh, the great for dead, no doubt, <laughs> you hear what people talk about mindfulness, you know, that's really the same kind of deal. You know, instead of, I see people, we, you know, speaking of my dog, my wife and I are taking our dog for a while. You see people, and we live in this beautiful neighborhood, all these big 100, 200-year-old trees, and they're all on their phones, you know. It's like, wake up, look around you. I mean, this is a mystery. It's, we're not going to be here in 30 years. This is going to, you know, and we all have a problem with that. I'm no, I'm not in any light being, you know, it's just, but I think that the dead reminds me that, you know, listen to the way that Weir is answering Garcia at that point, and that moment is gone, or the way that Lesh is jumping around, and uh, you know, and, and, or the way that you know, just those, this paying more attention to the, and that's really, I think, what art does, right? It kind of wakes us up. You know, Kafka says somewhere, "Is uh, art is the ice pick applied to the frozen sea within us." You know, we're hardened. You know, you just gotta kind of, and so art sometimes will whack it, and it could be a movie, it could be a music, it could be a poem. It could be a moment, it could be a sunset, and you go, wow, okay, normal life is not reality. It's important to pay attention so we don't get hit by cars and that we pick up our kids on time at school and all that kind of jazz, but really, the mystery, the, the essence of life, the sublime, goes right past this. And I think that listening to the dead kind of builds up that attitude, uh, or, or not builds up the attitude, it, it, it helps you become a better listener. I listen harder, I listen more deeply. Um, this, it kind of corresponded with, with, you know, getting older. And I remember I came home, uh, I had a record, I bought a record, and I went to file it. And I, not only did I already have a copy of the record, I hadn't listened to the one that I had before. So here I am buying records and filing them. I said, maybe at this age I should start listening more and less. Oh, I've got to get that guy who played mandolin on that guy's record. He has his own solo record. on. You know, that's great. It was wonderful. It was a part of my life where it, Build a lot of hours, <laughs> but for me, I think you'll be more observant in life. So I really do believe that, and that's why the book. It's like, well, why, what, why this ridiculous minutia? Because I think to go deeper into the minutia, you know, you're going to go deeper into the mystery as opposed to, oh, you know, let, let, I'd rather have, you know, I know deadheads who have like you know, thousand shows. They don't listen to most of them, but it's more about the acquiring of it, which is fine, you know. But for me, it really is. Um, it, it really is almost, you, you can't really exhaust it. it. I mean, the day, I mean, maybe there'll come a day, but for me, you know, you get weary of one era, you move to a different area, and you get tired of the dead, just listen to Garcia solo. You know? Well, you've, you've hit at the essence of, of 
really where, where I'm at as a writer in the sense that we live, you know, there was the age of belief, the age of enlightenment, the age, we live in the information age. So that's our big, that's our big thing. If you want to find out about something, I'm old enough to remember where you couldn't just Google something. Now I know everything there is to know about this. I don't think anyone's particularly happier or living a better life because but there's probably a bit. Um, certainly it's better for industry and big business, but for the most part, I think you're better off not knowing some fact, but going back and listening to the song again and just talking about it with yourself or with a friend or whatever or writing about it. That to me is, and that's so antithetical to our age because it's all about accumulation of information and, and everything, social media, hot takes and everything. I just find, again, that's why I really didn't flippantly use that Zen quote at the end, introduction. I mean, it really was, really was, really what I think listen to the dead means you go you wade into the subject and then before you know it you're you're in places you didn't see before but you've got to have somebody sort of you know you need that pied piper you need the musician or the filmmaker to, or the writer to sort of say you know come on in you know just come with me that to me i think is again um not our culture it's more like what's your book about you know the, re- the only reason this book's doing better than other books because the grateful dead are famous you know I wouldn't be talking to you if I was working on my novel, but now that we've met, hopefully, you know, you open up to, you know, other people go, oh, that sounds okay. But really, it, it, the subject matter is all important. And as we just talked about, subject matter is the starting point. It's really not what the piece of art is about. It's about that personality and that energy and that if you want to be flipping about it or the soul of it, you know, if it's got, if it doesn't have soul, then I really don't want to. But why would I, you know, why does it like that? There's life's too short.